right. And Mark. He did that on purpose, you <laughs> piece of shit. All right, whatever. Turd time's the charm. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, it's, it's me. Fuck. God damn it. It's me, Hunt, back with another episode of Tabletop Recap. I got... Fucking... I'm sorry. <laughs> we have Big Boy Chungus. That's his name. Hero. Uh, Susan, that's her name. The Suze. And you, what's your name? Austin. Oh, fuck. Have I been calling him Andrew all day? <laughs> Maybe. You haven't, called, you haven't said my name at all all day. Oh, thank God. I thought it was Andrew. <laughs> I'm so sorry, sir. I would no, say that was the you've last been calling one. him by his character's name, but I don't think you've been calling him by that either. Do I even know anyone? Na- Never mind. Let's continue. Yeah, we. you can clearly tell we're out of practice. It's been a while since an episode went live. Uh, fuck you, I do what I want. Uh, oh, and we're at zero viewers. All right, that's the end of the show. <laughs> we don't make any money on this anyway, so you might as well keep going. Yeah, it's fine, whatever. But Maybe yeah. one day we'll hit it big. <laughs> yeah, and then I can uh, cut you all out of it as soon as I'm famous. We'll get Wizards of the Coast in with us and they'll steal our souls. All right. But yeah, we're back with uh, session two of Storm King's Thunder. That's cool. That's fine, right? What's that about? But yeah, about giants. This is um, what uh, you just told me your name. Fuck, Austin. <laughs> His name's Austin. Uh, I'm definitely not doing a character for the show. I definitely forgot. <laughs> but we are just uh, you're not you're not in this session, right? Does no. anyone remember what session he came in on? The last, last one. one. Cool, that's not a number. He, so when we returned from Golden Fields to Waterdeep, he joined us right before we set out on our main quest to figure out what is going on with the Giants in favor. Oh, so yeah, basically was, right after this was, one. So you're not we going to know what's going on. When right, we were sorry. leaving Waterdeep. <laughs> Surprise! When we were packing up to go to Waterdeep is where he came in. Or packing up to go, leave Waterdeep is where he came mm-hmm. in. Oh, okay. So, anyways, <laughs> we are picking up right where we left off, which was uh, our party had trekked across uh, parts outside of Waterdeep on their way to a region called Golden Fields to help secure grains, foodstuffs, and other supplies necessary for Waterdeep to keep up after winter and make sure that the caravan and its members get there and back safely. Or at least to the best of their ability. All right. Good episode, everyone. Uh, We'll see you next... No, just kidding. Continue, sir. So, uh, after about three days and four nights worth of traveling, uh, our party comes into contact with all kinds of unsavory individuals, bandits, and whatnot. And just prior to their arrival, they have their first encounter with a giant. A frost giant, of all things. Which the party realizes how difficult this campaign is going to be just by trying to fight one singular giant. I think that Frost Giant brought Terry down to zero HP for the first time ever in his player's history. My sweet Terry Bear. And it gave Vane and Mira quite a scare. But thankfully it was able to be decapitated. And you guys... Leonardo decapitated. I actually don't think it touched me, because I remember I took my potion of frost resistance, and then <laughs> he never hit me, and it wore yeah. off. And I was like, dang it. That's right. The, the frost giant had a <laughs> frost wolf companion, and you never really got to use that. But uh, overall, you guys did a pretty good job, and uh, you safely made it to... Well, I say mostly. You guys lost the caravan leader. Yeah. Um, That's fine. But you guys did make it to Goldenfield safely. Now... When we left off, excuse me, you guys uh, entered this massive, massive farming fortress, just fields upon fields as far as the eye could see, but then outside of uh, these massive wooden uh, walls, um, and there's all kinds of stone, or not stone and wooden statues dedicated to a particular deity by the name of Shantia who is the uh, Faerunian goddess of fertility. Uh, So very much praised by farmers, uh, anyone involved with bringing new life into the world, both plant and animal and humanoid. Uh, So obviously it would play a very big part into this. Now, once you guys finally get settled, 
You guys are separated from the caravans that you have been tasked with guarding as they have their own job to do. They have to stock up on food to take back the water deep. Um, so you guys were given some instructions by your various guild and faction leaders in the city of Waterdeep uh, to meet various NPCs throughout the Golden Fields Fortress. Now, uh, do you guys just want to kind of talk about your own experiences, or we can just kind of rattle it off one at a time, and you guys can was, fill in the details? I guess in order of what happened, whatever. All right. So, um... I have a horse. Yes. First off, uh, Vane wanted to go to the loading zone where a uh, overseer was more than happy to sell you horse, bit, bridle, and carriage. Which there was some confusion on, but we'll save that for a future episode. <laughs> <clears throat> but essentially, uh, Vane purchased her first animal companion. Kelpie. Care to go into detail on who Kelpie is? Kelpie is a sweet big boy. He's a gelding, so he won't like hump everything in town. He might, but he won't mess up anybody's breeding. Well, he might, so, but it'll be allowed. Yeah, it, it'll be. He won't allowed. knock anybody up unless uh, the the your deity gets involved. Anyway, uh, he's a sweet big boy, and he is very sweet, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, he his name is Kelpie, which is if you don't know, Celtic lore is a water horse. So Who drowns he, children? Yes, and lures <laughs> ladies oh. into his domain to be his wife. And yeah, anyway, so yeah, that's Kelpie water horse. Think Nessie, Loch Ness okay. monster sort of thing. The name's anyway. a lot less cute to me now. I gotta say. <laughs> hey, 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 just just remember, just remember, Kratos gets on the back of one. No, could I be don't. that dangerous. I've never anyway. played but they make an explicit point in that game to say that oh, Kelpie don't get the reputation, or they don't deserve the reputation in that game. <laughs> like they're pretty more ben- they're pretty much benign and benevolent <laughs> creatures. Hmm. Anyways, anyway, he's a draft horse. He has some dapples. He's cute. So after we purchase uh, or acquire our first uh, or second animal companion, not counting Horseburger. Horseburger. Uh, the party then sets about exploring Golden Fields and trying to meet up with their various contacts. The first of which, uh, let's see. Did we see the? I think we talked to the tree first, right? Yeah, we talked to the tree first. We yes. had kind of a, we had kind of a, a, a confusion because the leader of the caravan, since he was carried off by the Winter Wolf, I wasn't sure what we were supposed to do, what the monetary exchange was, because. I never bothered to ask what happened, so I was trying to figure out like, are we supposed to pay them? Are they gonna rip us off? What's going on? No, once and they just went ahead and did their job, and it was fine. Your guys' responsibility was just getting them there safely and then bringing them back mm-hmm. safely. There is already a pre-established relationship between Golden Fields, Waterdeep, and the other major cities of the Lords Alliance. Pretty much, they ensure that Golden Fields has. Military resources and personnel, and in exchange, Golden Field provides food and sustenance for all the major uh, city states. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the first one we come to was Terry's contact, uh, a being by the name of Lifferlass, who the party learned was hanging out in the grove telling stories to a group of local children. And come to find out, Lifferlass was not exactly what everyone was expecting, as it was an awakened tree. Tree. You ever seen a mother willow from Pocahontas? Yeah. Basically like that, except But hotter. <laughs> Far hotter. Except More this... like the, the trees from The Last Unicorn. Never seen it. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Well, one exception being is that Liverlass also <laughs> Heard the song. has the ability to uproot himself Don and Summers. move around. With his little legs. Jeez, okay. What? <laughs> that wasn't weird. Don't, You're making it weird. Don't Google the trees from The Last Unicorn. They're terrifying. Aren't most treants from most things terrifying? (laughs) This tree was pretty wholesome, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys didn't think it was so wholesome when he uprooted himself and started using his roots to kind of move around on the ground. But as far as his character goes, uh, he he was pretty wholesome. Um, He very much has a soft spot for children, which right away, Terry, being a uh, disembodied 16-year-old soul dwarf child, uh, immediately kind of latches on to. Yeah. And he tells Liverless. Are you my mother? 
No. He tells Liverless his story, and they immediately just start, you know, interacting with each other. Like, I always love it when you guys, you know, actively roleplay. I try not to force it on you guys, but I always try to take full advantage of it when you guys are like, man, I really like talking to this guy. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't even but, need combat. So, if you guys remember from our last session, each of the party member was tasked with their respective guild leaders to ask their contacts what they had seen, witnessed, or experienced regarding uh, anything that had happened since winter, whether it involves giants, the weather, anything, uh, what's new in the world. And so, Terry, his contact was lift or less, and he tells them several things. Firstly of which... Um, Terry, after he reveals himself, is not the first metal man that Liverlass has encountered. There was a small number of constructs, in this case Warforged, who had made their way to the settlement and were questioning people about the Zentarum. This obviously played into Terry's interest, looking for his father and giving his family background, uh, uh, as possibly sparking some side quests uh, stuff going on here uh in addition to that he talked about fire giants taking slaves of people all over the region um along with some other minor giant activity like hill giants and frost giants just kind of moving in greater numbers than they had in the past flopping around hill giants and frost giants are probably the most common types of giants that you would see on the sword coast (laughs) um however even before the rumblings, um, they were a rare sight, but now it's like they're everywhere. You can see they're everywhere. You can they're see frost in my giants. raccoon womb. They're in your <laughs> raccoon womb. Wounds. That's a that's a that's awful, still weird. That's awful Family Guy reference where he gets in the porter body and turns around. Never mind. Ooh. It's it's terrifying. Anyway, never mind. So. You guys wrap things up with Liverless relatively quickly, um, and you guys make your notes. Afterwards, you then set about uh, asking for the next contact, which is Mira's contact, uh, Z Liang, who you learn is an acolyte of Shantia in service of the uh, Abbey who uh, within this compound. She was a badass battle babe. Mm-hmm. She is a she was a monk. And she definitely kind of found a kindred spirit with Mira. And when you find her, she is kind of chastising the abbot of the abbey, uh, telling him that, you know, she goes on daily rounds. The, the walls are all dilapidated. <clears throat> the guards are getting fat and lazy. She's the main scientist in every disaster movie. Exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. <laughs> and she, she just like... <laughs> We're gonna be destroyed. And they're like, nah. <laughs> no, it's fine. We want money. Hmm. Well, no, the Abbot was not all about money. He just I know. I'm just that's what it threat. is in every disaster. And, she, and that half orc was tubby and lazy. Yeah, she specifically <laughs> called out um, Thunderfist. Uh, that was the name of the half orc captain of the guard. And it actually, if you read the book, he actually is a dr- lazy drunk. He hangs out by the mead hall all day, the, like the place where they make the mead. And he just drinks his fill, passes out, and then wakes up the next day, does it all over again. I'll read the book after we do the review. <clears throat> but clearly, I'm not going to read it before. <laughs> but so, Z talks to Mira, uh, and she really admires Mira because, one, she's the first person who is listening to her and is actually taking what she says seriously. Also, I'm a lizard. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And there like was some, about me. <laughs> there was some, yeah, interesting discussions. Um... We didn't even introduce our characters, but it will. They nah, should know us by now. We did it last episode. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> right so before you guys ask about what Z knows about the giants and other rumblings, uh, you guys were very curious and asked her what was going on, what was making her so upset. <clears throat> and she says that the abbot keeps referring to her as a worrywart. Uh, she continues to vent about the town's defenses, both the wall and the guards, including the lack of, you know, infrastructural support from Strog Thunderfist. Um, and then after she gets all the venting out of her system, she just immediately starts asking Mira some questions about, you know, who she is. Because in addition to being a lizard folk, which please do not mistake the curiosity or 
uh, concern for lizard folk as racism. It's not. <laughs> lizard folk are literally only found in two areas, either forests, usually humid forests, uh, like jungles or swamps. What, you never seen the lizard of tits before? Swamp people. And then on top of that, not only are you playing no, as a... he ignored me. Yeah. <laughs> Nor, for the record. Not only are you playing as a more exotic race, which most Ooh. people on the Sword Coast don't see, you are one that has features that are not akin to what people might have heard, such as... Hair. Mammaries yeah. and hair. The hair being, I think, the big one. <laughs> Mammaries and like hair. From a, distance, huh? from a distance, people might mistake them for feathers. Because your hair is so red from your dad's side of the oh, family. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that ginger fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, okay. He's my dad, I could say that. So, after you talk to Z... Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I forgot to mention. She tells you about... Provides some more of the same information that Lefferlast provided, but with an additional example or except, exception... Where uh, she has noticed a floating castle uh, during her uh, tour visits and tours and expeditions around the perimeter of Golden Fields. She said that she could have swore she saw a single, almost like a wizard's tower, floating on a cloud before drifting beyond her line of sight. Hmm. And the party makes notes of this, and at that point. Um, we follow up with Vane's side quest. Now, Vane was not necessarily supposed to meet with a contact. She was actually uh, told by Vajra Safar to investigate a person of interest by the name of... Brungus? Orin. Yeah, Orin. And uh, Orin is under suspicion of potentially having dealings with the Zentarum. Now, the Zentarum was significantly weakened after the events of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but just because it is weak in one city does not mean it is completely eradicated from the rest of the world. And they do have a strong presence. So, Vane takes this opportunity to do a very, very serious job of trying to get information out of this guy. So, uh, we went up to the bar and uh, talked to Miras, who's the bar tavern owner. Miros Zeblin, I believe is his name. And uh, he's described to be like the long chain wolfman type. That what's the do we know the name of the condition that people have that made them look really He just hairy? has hair over like ninety percent of his body. Yeah. And, and he's, he, he he tells you that at one point he worked in a traveling circus and his title was the Yeti. Yeah. So we got little information out of him out of him, made sure it was okay to perform and so um we all got drinks uh i think he just did he just give us a round or i can't remember yeah but well, anyway so i he, took he asked ahead. you if it was your first time to golden fields and in the module um new visitors are always given a complimentary tankard okay. of uh the locally made mead mm -hmm. because it's made with bees that are raised in golden field mm -hmm. uh, it's and it's the very... one you lose the least money on when you give it away for free mm -hmm. yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean he practically gets it for free from the the local meadery uh, pretty much most of the money that he gets goes back to the abbey and he basically just runs his business has a place to sleep eat stay sheltered etc gets boys etc Why'd you have to go there? What? You think no one's ever he kissed a boy there? He always goes there. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he gives us a round, and Terry's like, I don't really want... I'm like, Terry, hush. And I grab his tankard, and I was like, can I please have this? And he's like, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> I take my tankard, and I take his tankard, and I set it up on the stage where Oren is performing. And, and then um, I say, hey, can I join... And he's like, yeah, sure. And so then I cast one of my favorite spells, uh, Enthralling Performance, which is part of my Bard College, found in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Glamour, right? Yes. Yeah. I always get it mixed up with eloquence. You use that Feywild magic. Yeah. And so then I charmed a couple people, and after the performance, I sat down with him and rolled high enough to see that he was not part of the Zints. You're kind of skimming over some of the minor details okay. first off the way you buttered him up and got him under the influence was masterful you use your ability to charm people without them knowing masterfully and then on top of that you got him wasted without him realizing it 
And so between him being drunk, charmed, and all buttered up, Mm -hmm. he was flowing like a mead fountain. (laughs) Yeah, so I did, uh, that was me being on key for once. And uh, then, uh, since I got the information, uh, I think I just went to bed. Or did I? Uh, I might have practiced some magic or some healing potions. I don't know if y'all can tell, but we're a little behind on recording, so that's why the story might sound like it's going by. Yeah, you. um, It was kind of late that evening after you got all the information. Which, by the way, Orin was not associated with the Zentarum. For whatever reason, people kept thinking he was, and even those um, Warforged that Lifterlice had mentioned hassled him during the winter time when they strolled through earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that was something that I found out when we were talking with them. I said, uh, what, if you had any trouble with the Zents, I just kind of went on the, like, well, you know, if you have anybody that are hassling you, then, you know, I'm I'm a performer too, and we stick out, we stick up for each other, and I can go mess them up, or that sort of thing, just um, sympathizing type information gathering. And, uh, Anyway, so, and loose lips sink ships. It's my little theology for today. <clears throat> so, anyway, went to bed. Uh, I think everybody went to bed. Did anyone, I don't have anything in my notes about anyone doing anything after that. Did not return my mug. I think everyone went to bed. I think I prayed or something. But, uh, yeah. but I remember I was yeah. upset that, and Amira was upset that night. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to say before we go any further that our uh, NPCs were excellently chosen for us. Like they I know were... they were out of the book NPCs, but they were really perfect pairings. Because Terry, he's like, he's like 16, he's still a kid, but he's like in this non human body. And then his NPC is someone stuck in a non traditional non human body who cares for kids. Great pairing. He's an awakened tree. By the laws of nature, you know, he's not even supposed to be sentient. Yeah. And then mine was a fellow badass uh, battle babe who speaks her mind. Mira's known for not not speaking her mind. Mira speaks her mind <laughs> all the time. So they were a, a good pair of gal pals. And then Vane had the two. And yeah. one was like a drunk bard, which is like... Vain at the beginning of her Waterdeep character mm-hmm. arc. And then her other one was... Miros. A, yeah, a performer who now runs a, a, a tavern. tavern, which was the end of her Waterdeep character arc. Yeah, it's like Vane has always wanted to, like, do something useful, but her parents never let her do something useful, so she just kind of fucked around. And then they'd get mad at her for not being useful? Yeah, and so <laughs> now that she has, like, uh, something to focus on... Spirit Square and adventuring, she can be useful. Now that you made money, we love you, daughter. <laughs> exactly. At least that's what her dad says. Yeah. But so yeah, um, I tried to tailor those as best I could. Vane it was, was perfect. A it was bit, done perfectly. Vane was a little bit more difficult because I wasn't exactly sure which I'm one she would meld with more. So I just left it kind of open ended in such a way where she could choose. Yeah, it was perfect. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I chose the one that I figure would be the least hard to try to. Not kill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted the one that I didn't have to like chase down and make sure he didn't die. Like I could control the other guy. Like I can make sure he kind of stood close instead of having someone do wisdom saving throws to have to flee every two minutes. So anyway. Um. But so everyone goes to bed, and Mira. After uh, I believe you, did, you didn't pray right away. The first thing you did was you started reading the uh, oh, book yeah. that your dad gave you. Because after your talk with Z, Mira was starting to question, you know, kind of her own existence. You know, like, she is half human, half lizard folk. How does she even exist? (laughs) Yeah, Z was like, that's not how DNA works. (laughs) I was like, what's DNA? (laughs) It didn't go exactly like that, but you know what I mean. Z, you know, has heard of lizard folk, but she knows that, you know, through biology, you know, certain races just should not be compatible to procreate. Or at least they can procreate, but not produce any kind of young. And yet Mira is the offspring of both a reptile and a mammal. So this kind of created an existential crisis for her. Yeah. And, um... Like she never even considered that it was unusual. <laughs> um, literally egg. Literally egg. 
That sounds like some weird absurdist meme. <laughs> you just posted some random you can make comment it. section. It can be your meme. The you can put it on a t-shirt. Put it on a t-shirt that won't sell. Except to you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll buy it. I still want a fake t-shirt. I'll work on it. Now I have internet at home, so I can work on that yeah. store. Yeah, I can work on that store now. Yay, modern internet. <laughs> um, So, Mira does some more reading, and she learns that there was a part of her dad... Uh, dad's life right before he discovered her existence uh, or her con- her conception, essentially. Or as we call it, lizard folk calamari. Where... <laughs> Not calamari. <laughs> Dang it, I messed up the joke. Essentially what it happened... We're scrapping this recording. <laughs> essentially a little bit of history behind Mira's dad, uh, Stefber. Um, he was a former adventurer, had an adventuring party that he thought of as his own family, on their last major adventure, everybody except him gets TPK'd, wiped out, killed, whatever you want to say. And he feels incredibly lonely, guilty, depressed, just all the worst kinds of feelings you can get when a bunch of loved stuff. ones have died. And he prays to a whole bunch of gods. Like, he does not even necessarily realize who he's even talking to, both malevolent, neutral, and benevolent. And it's not until... Reply all. Pretty much, he gets back to a familiar lizard folk village that he spent the night in several months ago that he discovers, hey, there's an egg here that wasn't here before, and it's with the same lizard I slept with. I'm preggers in this eggers. Um, and so eventually... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The new maternity line. I thought that was going to be ignored, but I'm glad you laughed. I wish it was ignored. Wow. Um, but so anyways, Mira goes to bed a little bit dissatisfied but that night she has a dream a very vivid dream almost like a vision similar to ones that she's had before but this one is much more fluid and essentially it is a warm bedroom in a cozy little cabin out in the middle of what seems to be an endless uh field of grain and crops and there is a fairly large but healthy looking woman there tending to the seemingly endless fields and Mira steps out of the room uh, out into the open fresh air and learns that he is in the presence of none other than Shantia the matron goddess of fertility and of golden fields and he gets just enough time to ask who she is and where he is and she looks me dead in the eye and says egg <laughs> Not quite. You uh, egg, egg. No, she just points, opens her mouth, and shrieks like the body snatchers. Oh, yes. She looks you dead in the eye and has cash for credit. No, but in all seriousness, <laughs> I'm gonna pay my check. What? No one takes check anymore, sir. In all seriousness, Shantia basically looks Mira dead in the face and says. I'd love to answer more questions, but you have to wake up. Your friends are in danger. And then, snap, Mira wakes up in the bed to the Bless you. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Please continue. Mira, along with everybody else in the tavern, is awoken by a very loud, very drunk Orin shouting about invaders in the fields. Invaders! Invaders! I I gotta say, I, I am very pleased with my performance as Orin given my impersonation of a very, very drunk-off-their-ass person. It was almost scary because too close to home, but not too much, so it was good. I don't even remember. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been like two yeah. We have a show for you. Yeah. So, uh, essentially, uh, the party and Miros decide to go out uh, outside the tavern and investigate the so-called invaders. And... Uh, as you guys kind of look out into the pitch black fields of uh, Goldenfield proper, you can see all kinds of torchlight just dancing around the fields like fireflies. Um, and it's, if this is an invasion, there are a lot of people who have somehow managed to get in this far inside the wall. And People. Are they people or are they just what so racist, creatures? But continue. The the first <laughs> thing the party decides to do is they're like, Oh my god, we gotta find our NPCs, we gotta find our buddies. Uh, <laughs> Terry just immediately sees torches flying all over the place. He's like, Lipper Lass is gonna burn. <laughs> yeah, I think he gave us like 
two routes we could take, and we took one of them for sure. Yeah, you, you guys yeah. took one of them. Yeah. So <laughs> there were there were three we locations. Didn't choose any. We stayed in the I will choose the unknown third option. There were three <laughs> options. There was the grove, the one of the pastures, uh, and the abbey itself. And you guys chose to go to the grove, uh, where you found. Uh, you didn't really have to worry about. Miros, he was kind of following you guys yeah, with a. He keeps a shotgun, not a shotgun. He keeps he a, cross- a shotgun underneath the bar. Well, no, he keeps a crossbow <laughs> underneath the bar like a shotgun. Same energy, yeah. same energy. Real Moses lack kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got two knives, and I gotta tell you, this feels swell. <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty cool. <laughs> that was great. Slowly two to the chest, one to the head. That'll do it. Anyways, so you guys, Lifferlass is doing his best to flee from an entire warband of goblins, bugbears, and ogres. Um, and he can't, he, he has like a super slow movement speed because he's literally crawling because around on little tree. roots. It was just terrifying. Um, but um, Terry and the rest of the party catch up to him. And uh, some of the goblins have surrounded him. They managed to catch part of him on fire. And Terry just goes berserk, as anyone would with a kindred spirit. Uh, and so combat ensues. And, you know, Liverlast is outnumbered. But now that he's got support, he can start, you know, laying into these guys. He starts crushing goblins with his massive branches. Uh, Vane starts popping off spells which then in turn pop the heads off the goblins. Um, it, it was just a huge... <laughs> Sorry, I just felt some real Mars attacks energy when you said that. <laughs> I mean, she's, they're barred spells, so... <laughs> you can't see his hand movements when he's doing any of this, but it all looks like he's like whipping like web shots like he's Spider-Man when he's doing... <laughs> Fly web! I'm a away web! You do have a wand of web. Uh, yeah, and every time I'm about to use it, like, combat ends. <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, major events in combat Mira has a bit of a breakdown she uh, is basically thrown into the thralls of this bloodbath you know Terry is doing his best to defend Lifferlass Miros takes a couple of short bow shots to the shoulder so Vane is like back to back with him trying to make sure he doesn't get overwhelmed but Mira's kind of on her own and she gotta get those quests she starts sinking her teeth Literally and figuratively into some of the enemies. You ever eat a man? <laughs> um, I can guarantee you that. I think you start. I think you actually gutted a bugbear and you just started laying into him. Like, you oh, just yeah. start just like chomping on him. Oh yeah, I think Terry had to pull me off a bugbear and then like no one asked me what was wrong and still hasn't. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting on it and I'm like, no one's gonna ask me about eating that bug. Hey, I did come up to you the other day and say, are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. <sighs> like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, it's just like, that okay. you ate a guy. <laughs> Would you consider a bugbear a guy? Yes. You uh, racist. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're sentient. So They uh, have societies. After kind of. We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't not say that. Come on. <laughs> That's so 2019. That's Internet 101. <laughs> so after you guys neutralize one of the goblinoid threats, there's three in total, one at each of the areas mentioned previously, uh, m- m- you guys make sure that Miros, who was injured, was kind of taken care of, and you send him back to the town in this tavern to kind of, you know, tell people to, hey, stay indoors. Stay you know, inside. I want my Stay on the streets. <laughs> stay off the streets, kids! Yeah, I'm not sure if it was mentioned, but if your NPC survived the night, you got a bonus side quest. Yes. Now, uh, Lifferlass also survived, despite being a little singed. Um, Terry made sure that he was able to make it to another part of the grove. Those little leggies move real fast when they're motivated. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one of the abilities that uh, awakened plants have is if they are in like shrubbery or like foliage and they remain um, completely still, they can blend in with their environment and they can't be detected. Because except by really, really high perception checks. Like those trees in Age of Mythology. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I really pulled that reference out of 2002. Um, <laughs> so Lifferlast was set, Miros was set. The only thing left to do was to check on Z, who was at the Abbey. And by the time you guys got there, there was a lot of carnage. You had the Abbot and Z and a couple of other uh, acolytes and monks of the Emerald Enclave who were um, trying their best to hold off uh, the bugbears, goblins, and a couple ogres. 
And uh, after, there was a good chance that they would have died had you guys not shown up. Like, if you guys went to the pasture, they would have been overwhelmed. But you got there in time, and once the goblinoids and ogres saw that, you know, reinforcements had arrived, they started booking it. And I asked Hunt, I said, okay, what does Z do in this situation since you have complete control over her? And I was like, I know she chases after, and I know I'm not going to get this <laughs> side quest. So I was like, she goes, she runs after him. Eh, so we go with two, I guess. <laughs> um, so let's see. After that, yes, Z does pursue the goblinoid enemies, and you guys managed to chase them all the way through uh, one of the open fields, uh, which at a certain point, um, you're like, hey, where are the guards? Like, how did all of these people get in here? And uh, you start seeing some bodies in the tall grass, and you start hearing screaming, and as you are trying your best to follow these guys, which you're doing it by torchlight, so you've only got like 10 feet mm -hmm. of visible light, mm -hmm. um, and the goblins and the bugbears and the ogres, they keep running, they keep running, and then as you are running towards them, you start seeing guards running towards you, ignoring the bugbears and goblins, and the goblins and bugbears are ignoring them, and the guards are like, get out of the way, they've breached the wall, they're gonna eat us. And uh, about that time, as you guys get closer, you just start hearing <laughs> massive footsteps on the ground. And you look up at your torchlight, and there are these huge towering figures with these massive distended guts, uh, very disheveled uh, faces, horrific smells coming off of them. And the party has their encounter with their first two hill giants. Yeah, and you have these cool custom minis for them, too. Yeah, I love the, yeah. the local uh, minis shop here in, in town. I try to get them as much business as I can without breaking the bank. Yeah, we've been here two Saturdays in a row, and we haven't visited. I still want to go there. Yeah, they need to do that next time. We'll uh, probably just have to show up earlier. Huh? Now, the party was really caught off guard, and Z especially was terrified. Like, she was really not expecting to see these two massive towering figures while the rest of the party was pursuing these guys. So you guys... You guys fought hard, um, but es essentially Z was not doing so hot, and you role-played Z really well. I actually gave you, uh, I think, a fate point for sticking to the character's motivation. Yep. I still got it, too. I still <laughs> One got day. Mine. I considered it today, but I was like, ah, oh. not <laughs> That's, I'm just kind of just saving that for life or death, honestly. <laughs> but let's just say if you've ever seen an episode of Attack on Titan, that's how Z met her in. She already didn't have a lot of HP, uh, but essentially whenever we're doing stuff with NPCs that are supposed to have a major impact on the party, uh, try to... I don't want to be cruel to the players, but I want it to have impact. So Z was essentially uh, torn in half and then devoured by these hill giants, which that made the whole party angry. Like, you guys just mm -hmm. went into full doom mode. Yeah, she was like the one security person that actually gave a damn She actually wasn't security. She was, uh, she was part of the Abbey's staff, and she cared more about it than the people who were actually supposed to be protecting them. Like me at work. Yeah, the one Every person that cares just gets the worst fate. It's like she deserved it the least out of all these people. Do we care about the giant yeah. puddle of oil on the floor that everyone's gonna slip on? No, it's fine. I'm like, girl, okay. you gotta fucking quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get out of there. Uh, well, speaking of Vane and issues, this is also the first time that Vane. <laughs> Great was... segue, dude. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Vane and her fucking issues. Why? Well, I, I mean, she almost died. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fell <laughs> unconscious. Okay, so no, no, I, no. You weren't just unconscious. You were making death I was saving throws. Yeah, I was, making, fucking oil. I was making death saving throws. Um, no, she just got for the, beat. For the second time, uh, the first time in this campaign, the second time in her life, I don't know, whatever. Life. Anyway, uh, since, we, since I started playing her. Okay. Anyway, um... Uh, yeah, I was throwing healing around, but I just have healing words, so it doesn't do much. And then, uh, I have a very low HP because I'm a squishy. I have a hard core, and I have a hard crust, and then I have squishy insides like one of those Dove ice cream bars. Anyway. Nice. That's me. So, uh, essentially what happens is, is Mira and Terry 
wind up killing the larger of the two giants and you subdue the last one. By the time you bring him down, um, the book specifically says that if you knock any of the giants down to below 25 hit points, um, they will immediately submit. That was an excellent battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you especially when you killed the first giant with the fastball special. Oh yeah, we fastball yeah, special, fast special, special again. Yeah, I think what I think what happened was was uh, Terry threw Mira, and Mira wound up using her tail to break the giant's neck mid-flight. Yes, I grabbed his head and swung around and snapped his neck. That was <laughs> rad. How did I forget that? Damn, God, that was a great session. Oh. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I love when we do the fastball special. We don't do it a lot, but when we do it, it's fucking great. <laughs> Ah, I just hit some of the balls. <laughs> you ever seen that? Are you uh, okay? <laughs> yeah, fine. The relationship between He's Mira hurting. and Terry at that point is like the Doom right guy now. and Isabel. Like, you ever seen that meme where Isabel's sitting on Doom guy's shoulder and is like, rip and tear until it's done. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, so combat ends, uh, and it's rather bittersweet, but before anything happens, you guys, as mad as you are, like you're, you really thought about just straight up executing the second giant but like after you subdued him he starts bawling like a toddler yeah it felt like legit dad <laughs> yeah he he starts blubbering um he has snot and tears coming down his right. eyes you feel he almost looks like an overgrown infant who doesn't know what he's done to get punished didn't you get like a nat one and he sneezed all over you at some yeah, point yeah something like that yeah <laughs> I got gross and sticky and not like when I'm with rain off. I think one of you guys, I don't know if it was like a nap one persuasion check because you were interrogating him or what, but you got you got giant goo all over you. Yeah, it was oh, gross. It was definitely me, I remember. Yeah. Because I was covered in blood and snot. And Mira was like, Terry, talk to him before I kill him. <laughs> yeah, because I stopped Terry from killing him because he was raging out. And then he <laughs> had stopped me because I was like, no, no way, let's talk this little And guy. I was... Drooling on the floor, dead, and I got a fate point for playing dead. <laughs> and the thing that made it even more dramatic is like, this is the giant that ate <laughs> our friend. I shut so my mouth we're for once. Like, uh, we really want to like interrogate you or try to, but like you're half of our friends in your tum tum, so <laughs> I really want to hit you right now. Um, but hill giants, for those of you who don't know, in the Forgotten Realms are by nature, dumber than a sack of hammers. They have an infantile level of intelligence, despite being one of the higher-ranking giants in the, you know, giant society. I thought they were the lowest-ranking. They are of the true giants. You have giant kin, like, for example, Goliaths are considered giant kin, but they are not considered true giants. And therefore, because of that, if you look at giant society, hill giants are above Goliaths. But despite that, all other giant species look down on them because of how stupid they are. Okay. Um, They're basically like anyone who's played professional football long enough. <laughs> wow. Confirm I made that joke in an effort to elicit change. <laughs> hey, look, no contact sport is without risk of concussion, okay? Yeah. Swag. So, <laughs> you, you Join guys, the band. As Because of how dumb this guy was, which you, you only really got a handful full of information from him. The first thing you learned was his name. His apparent, it was apparently called Lob. Makes sense. Um, so he he looks lobbed like a, lob. a loogie at you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose he did. And That's how he got it. Came out the womb and immediately loogied his mom. He snot rocketed her. You, uh, you asked him uh, where he was from, and he told you that it was from a place called Grudhog. Um, and his purpose for being here was to bring food to Gah. Uh, yes. He couldn't articulate any My more than thick that. Goddess. <laughs> <laughs> I got a thing for God. <laughs> so, but before, you wanted to ask him more stuff, but before you could, suddenly, as at this point, dawn is starting to break. All of this happened in the middle of the night. Um, a spear comes out from behind you guys and pelts lob right. In the temple, in the lob. landing the killing blow against the wounded hill giant. Lobbed a spear right into him. Or, and in lo and behold, <laughs> guess who decides to show up at the very end to Thunder start thighs. hosting? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Thunderfist. Grud uh, Thunderfist. Or Grod, whatever his name is. Thunderfist shows up the very overweight, very lackadaisical, and non caring half orc who was supposed to be in charge of preventing this stuff from ever happening to begin with. And ooh! 
We almost oh. came to blows. He was yeah. so fucking pissed. Just about <laughs> knocked his noggin off, too. Yeah, like, he, he shows up and he says, Well, all right, lads, let's clear up this mess. And they're like, Fuck you. <laughs> they're like, I Yeah. Think one of those actually, I think you probably did say fuck. I, 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 I did. And I was like goofing on him hard. <laughs> he actually got mad because, I mean, even he though he, he is bad at his job, he is the head of the. He's the chief of the guards for Golden Fields. Yeah, I was very close to being arrested. <laughs> he, he, he was getting ready to throw his weight around, but the thing about it was... Uh, uh, but then Grand Moff Tarkin shows up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not really Grand Moff Tarkin, but the uh, the I abbot. just said Grandma Tarkin. <laughs> he just had that Tarkin energy. Yeah, so basically the abbot comes out uh, from the abbey, and just as blows are about to come between Mira and Thunderfist... He says, Thunderfist, that is enough. And he just cuts everything off. And he is very much aware as to the reasoning as to why this happened. And not only is he mad that it happened, but he partially blames himself for not taking Z's warning seriously. Like you said, she was the only one who was putting any effort into, you know, trying to warn people that, hey, our defenses suck. They haven't been updated in years. And our only defense is chugging mead on a daily basis. Yeah, and she got killed for it. And he ended our interrogation early. So we were so mad at this fool. So, well, two of us were. One of us was unconscious on the ground. I was Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about oh, no, that. no, no, no. I, I'm specifically I was not keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> the, the best part is yet to come on that. So, um, the abbot dismisses. Thunderfist and tells him to go check on other parts of Golden Fields and that we will continue this discussion later. Um, and he then begins asking the party for their input because while Thunderfist has been the chief for as long as he can remember, you guys have clearly shown mm -hmm. that you're more trustworthy and reliable than he ever has in the one day that he's met you guys. And he didn't even really meet you face to face, he met you indirectly through Z. Um, but you guys basically update him on everything that has happened. You shouldn't have laughed at that. It wasn't funny. Just be grateful I didn't do a vampire spit take all over the mic. Please don't, because that's my mic. Okay. He doesn't care, because yeah, I do. Your mic and Z's nuts. Oh. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't So Mira and Terry then tell the abbot everything that has transpired, and he is just mortified he like mira said earlier or hunt's character said earlier um z was the only one who put forth any effort into actually trying to secure the defenses everyone dismissed her including him and she paid the ultimate price for trying to help everybody uh i'll tell you this if they don't erect a statue for her uh before uh too long it will st it will be a huge injustice Mm -hmm. Like, by the time you visit, you might see a statue of her erected be. uh, in the middle of one of their agricultural fields. Like, have At least fountain, give her a plaque. Have the fountain, like, irrigate the fields and have her, like, being all sexy and badly. And, like, oh, yeah, Thunder Thighs is now demoted to janitor. He has to clean it again. <laughs> Actually, uh, if you remember, <laughs> the, he, he wasn't just demoted. He was kicked out of Golden Fields. Like, okay. uh, I was about to say, like, certain been, parts would be more polished than the others, like, in Europe. <laughs> he has been excommunicated from the Abbey of Shantia. Uh, he is no longer welcome within the walls of Golden Fields, and he is under specific... Or, this community under strict instructions not to give him any employment. Yeah. Like the reason when, when you guys passed him, and he boot. was shouting curses at um, the abbot and the abbey from outside the walls. He didn't have any of his armor on. He didn't have his weapon. He was basically stripped of all title and accolades. We kind of uh, have that uh, tendency whenever we go anywhere, we leave people stripped. He had his clothes <laughs> on. He just didn't have his <laughs> chief's armor. Kind of weird that you knew she meant naked, but let's continue. <laughs> You did. Here we are. <laughs> you know who we're talking with, right? You know what assumptions do. Austin's over here, like I'm reconsidering uh, all of this. <laughs> I was pre-told. <laughs> she told me about all of her all, you all of her successful quests for, for of stripping people while they were awake. Yeah, the same woman who left a bandit captain naked, alone, and afraid in giant country I simply because he jaws. pet a horse that was not even hers. How dare you pet a horse? <laughs> you fiend! 
The greatest act a criminal I can left connect. him in his long johns, and that was being generous. We sh- probably should have, like, taken him to be arrested in the next town for being a bandit. But God, I didn't I want to know so where we were sleeping. Speaking of Zane, here's the best part of what I Speaking mentioned earlier. So after the abbot is debriefed, the <laughs> guards on the wall nearest to the party um, are... They call the abbot and they say... Right, we're sorry, okay? What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. You just... You just said debriefed and we're all mid-middle school is all. <laughs> just tell your fucking story. I would if I could. I'm trying to let you, man. I would if I could, but I can't. <laughs> so, anyways, sun's coming up. You guys can now see that there is a very, very, very large destroyed hole in the side of the wall. And as you guys finish debriefing the abbot, the guards on the remaining wall structure of this part, closest to you guys, calls the abbot to come up and take a look at something. It is very, very much an urgent matter. You missed the part. Uh, uh, hold on. Okay, go hold ahead. On. The <laughs> abbot gets up and walks away. Terry gets up and walks away. Oh, Mira okay. gets up and walks away. Guess who isn't up and walking away? <laughs> yeah, someone's Me. unconscious. <laughs> it was straight up out of this this weird sitcom where like one of the guys is either half dead or passed out. Everyone walks away and leaves them alone in the room. Wait five seconds for comedic effect, and then someone says, "Oh shit, we forgot Vane." Yeah, and then I was like, "Oh fuck, Vane's there," and I only remember because I saw her fucking miniature laying on its side. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, serious. It's okay. I'm sorry, I thought you were skipping. I thought you were skipping. That was such a roleplay heavy session, and it was glorious. It was a wonderful, (laughs) perfect session. Meanwhile, this is the second time that I've been unconscious, and everyone's just like going about their business and doing different things. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll just die. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You okay, Vane? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just dying. The first time I got kidnapped by pirates, and and I I was happy that they rescued me, but I also, also kind of wanted to. Be the pirate queen. So, but I know I that when the... to wax the captain's chest, you rescue me. <laughs> Put her back in the sea. We don't want her. <laughs> well, we don't want her either. We, we thought we we didn't know we like we'd actually succeed. The goddess of the sea back. showed up and said, "Take that shit back on land. I don't want it. Put that shit back where it came from." Oh, so help me. I just get my water breathing potion. I start singing underwater. Like, go away. Get her off my mecha gamma. Get her off my back. Get her out of my ship. Get her out of my life. <laughs> Poor Vane. <laughs> uh, but so essentially, uh, at that point, as everyone is climbing up to the wall, you see something that is almost akin to a scene from Lord of the Rings where there is just this massive goblinoid army. You have basically divisions of goblins and bugbears uh, not only are there ogres, but there are four other hill giants out there in the fields. And on the ogres, there are these catapult-like devices where they're just basically walking artillery pieces. And in front of all these columns, there is a singular hobgoblin decked out in pretty badass dark armor riding what you guys didn't know at the time, but was a warg and was shouting commands to the troops. And seeing as how the element of supplies was uh, blown and uh, at least a third of their forces were decimated inside the walls trying to uh, carry out this, you know, undercover raid, Mm -hmm. they decided it was time to get out of there. So the abbot's like, give me every archer in the vicinity. I want these things uh, pelted with arrows before they can make their hasty retreat, blah, blah, blah. And, And the party's like, we will help. We want to kill every single one of these murdering bastards. Yeah. But... Uh, what you guys didn't anticipate was uh, the uh, the excuse me the hobgoblin ch- captain shouts an order in a language that you don't understand. Obviously, it's goblin. Um, the uh, the mechanisms on the back of the ogres uh, begin to operate, and you're able to get a couple of arrow shots off before the ogre catapults start sending projectiles towards you and these massive metal balls just start racing towards you and everyone has to take cover. What you weren't expecting was that as the metal balls approach the wall or go over it, they are screaming. (laughs) And you realize that what the ammunition being propelled at you are (laughs) goblins wearing metal spiked armor being used as literal cannon fodder. Sonic the Hedgehog. 
And so he's just, you have a goblin being launched. And he just goes, <laughs> and the book specifically says that when a goblin makes contact with an enemy or any kind of object after being launched, just immediately dies. Mm. Like, goblins are so expendable that they're used as living ammunition. Yeah. But I took a chapter out of some history and I had these guys basically doing a rolling retreat, uh, which is a strategy that was used in uh, Napoleonic and Civil War tactics where you unchalk cannons and you allow them to roll freely after being fired uh, due to the physical force. And with a rolling retreat, you typically uh, see it with artillery groups loaded with case, uh, a can or a canister, which is grape shot or you know very large shotgun shells fire at point-blank range when the enemy is so close that you have to retreat and you pretty much let the cannon fire and roll freely until you get it all the way back to the caisson and limber chest to be loaded up attached to the horses and then hauled away uh basically these guys were doing something a little bit similar except basically what would happen is is that the ogres were ordered to be loaded and then launch their catapults and then while the projectiles were being launched and of course you know everyone has to take cover or else be you know they face the risk of getting hit by a uh, a steel-coated spike <laughs> goblin, uh, they then uh, retreat and walk backwards as far as they can. And they continue doing this until they are out of range of the archers, in which case they give full retreat. And I think you guys had some fun with this because I think Terry's like, I want to, like, baseball hit some of these goblins that are coming at us. Pretty cool. And Mara's like, I want to hit one with my pick. And Vane's like, I want to shoot one out of the air. I think I was actually using my bow the whole time. I think I was trying to hit the hobgoblin, take out the leader. Oh, yeah. what I was trying to do. Unfortunately, crossbows don't have quite the effective range as a longbow. Mm -hmm. So he, your shots just kept falling short. I, yeah, I like, I like hit people in the army, just not who I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a great, great encounter. I, I love doing all of that and i'm glad you guys had some mm -hmm. fun uh working with it man the encounter that i got to miss that's <laughs> yeah it's, it, it was, was like the best session sorry <laughs> it was like that was the best no session. i mean for the end when you're trying to take pot shots it was good stuff pot shots oh yeah you would have you would probably drilled that hobgoblin captain because you got like what a range of 500 yards with yeah your... with my feet 500 yards with no disadvantage i'm touching everybody nobody's safe <laughs> you're like the sharpshooters from um from the crossing or the Patriots. Like, all I need is a clean shot at the officer and this battle's going to be over. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so the, the Abbot, after finally, you know, seeing the hobgoblins, goblins, bugbears, ogres, hill giants, all scatter uh, back over the hills in the valley where they laid siege, really shook him. And uh, this actually provides an additional piece of information for the party to return back to Waterdeep with. Because hill giants are incredibly stupid. Goblins and other goblinoid creatures, you know, in large numbers, they're tough, but they are essentially like mercenaries. Mm -hmm. They will either work under the leadership of a hobgoblin or they will work under creatures that are physically more imposing than they are. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you've got goblins and hill giants teaming up, one of the dumbest races versus one of the most you know, cantankerous races mm -hmm. or groups mixing together and carrying out organized... Someone has organized and weaponized hill giants. And that terrifies people. Because normally hill giants just kind of wander around eating whatever will fit in their mouth. And someone has weaponized that. So the, the abbot's like, this is insane. We have to get a handle on this. We need to update our defenses now. Right? Booking now. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I forgot to mention, Mira lost her war pick at this point, and there was a furious uh, investigation to try and find it. I found. Yes, you found it. Um, at this point, everyone is just kind of helping with repairing the damage to Golden Fields. Everyone is uh, making sure everyone is okay, touching up with their, uh, their NPCs that are still alive. Um, and we do have a... I took a bath in the Magic Hot Springs. They were not Magic Hot Springs. <laughs> I know they were Magic Hot Springs. <laughs> they made me feel magical. <laughs> they were um, invigorating because they had natural minerals in them. <laughs> so at this point, there are some developments. Live for Less and uh, Terry have 
uh, a few last words before you guys leave because at this point the caravan's all loaded up. Uh, Liferless gives him the side quest for saving him and essentially tells him to, uh, while Liferless himself cannot provide any aid on their journey or with any of the giants, um, because of his spindly little legs, he does tell him to seek out uh, the druid who basically awoke him uh, at the Shadow Top Cathedral in the High Forest. Uh, he was a very powerful druid, also a member of the Emerald Enclave, and if he won't help you guys directly, he at least knows a ton of ways that will most likely be beneficial to their journey, or to your guys' journey. Um, Miros meets with Vane again, and uh, her side quest leads her to the town of Amphial, which is not that far away from Waterdeep proper, and tells him to meet up with an old associate of his from his traveling circus days and give her his regards. Mm. Um, and as we'll see later, that will yield some boons uh, out of Ooh. friendship and acquaintanceship. Yes. Uh, however, at that time, after Vane gets done with her little soak in the warm springs and showering, she has a bit of awakening where suddenly she begins to float off the ground, lightning uh, bursts forth from her body I'm into the air. I'm from X-Men now, guys. No, you're not. Yeah. From what I hear, a lot of women have an awakening while having a soak. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it. Too soon, man. Too soon. But what? essentially... Oh, no, I was talking about flicking the bean. <laughs> essentially what this was, uh, at the end of the session, everyone went up a level. And the way we flavored Vane leveling up, which she took a level in Sorcerer, Specifically yeah. as a storm sorcerer, which I had a lot of fun workshopping a backstory for this. Um, she, after coming to a near-death experience, had awakened her sorceress origin. Uh, which we will get into later when that becomes more relevant in the podcast. Sailor Moon powers. You, like, You're not dance? a magical girl. I know, I know. <laughs> you just have storm magic powers now in addition I just, to being like, a I can fly up and I can... Uh, well, and when the awakening happened, I shot lightning, but that's not a skill I have. That was just like <laughs> the awakening. The awakening. Um, but I can fly up ten feet when I feel like it, before or after casting a spell, and I get some of the little, I get more spells. So. Lightning yeah. bolt, lightning bolt, yeah. lightning, um, bolt. lightning Typically, bolt. storm sorcerers are more, uh, they're more akin to like wind and lightning elementals, but uh, I actually kind of, flavored this to fit the homebrew setting, which, like I said, we'll talk more about that when it becomes relevant, but Susan took on some sorcerer's elements, which I am worried about a bardic sorcerer. <laughs> that is a very, very shaky combination for DMs when it comes to limiting spell casting abilities and whatnot. But so everyone either got a level up or a side quest or some kind of combination of the two. The party packs up and departs from Goldenfield and as everyone is waving goodbye, you hear one very salty, salty ex-chief of the guard, uh, Mr. Thunderfist. Thunderfist. Uh, shaking and, you know, cursing uh, all the people in the town for kicking him out of his position that he never deserved to begin with. And, See you, wouldn't want to be you. And so that's where we ended the session. Party on their way back to Waterdeep with the foodstuffs to supply the city and plenty Food. plenty of news and experience to satiate all of the guild and faction leaders for their return literally experience yeah, yeah. absolutely incredible session one of the best i've ever great. played if not the i really hope it's the best session because i'd love to have that notch on my shoulder i really hope it's the best session so it can be all downhill from here <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more! well it gives me something to work for and there are other dms that i would love to to hear that. Oh, yeah, it was but It fantastic. was great, and I really love how you incorporated, again, the, how the NPCs fit so well, and your uh, military tactics. For, that was just on point, so that was really great. <sighs> well, that is it for me. Do you guys have any closing remarks or any additions that I might have left out? No, I'm good. I think yeah, that pretty much it. covers all the main yeah. swag. It was pretty, pretty excellent. Perfect balance of combat and roleplay, and not a dull moment the whole session, really. Yeah, it was really good. We will have more sessions like that in the future. I um, 
you guys will probably hear in the next few episodes that there were some lulls in the action, but that's mainly because developments have to occur, and not all developments are combat or military-based. You know, there's got to be some diplomacy there, some politics, some intrigue. A lot of traveling right now, too. Yeah. And there have been, most of our sessions are pretty spread out, and sometimes we'll come in and we're kind of rusty and takes us a little while to get going, so, you know, it's what it is. It's like a forward in the morning on a cold day. It takes a while to get started. I mean, a bunch of us have to drive an hour or two hours anyway, so it's just how it is. That's fine. But it's still have fun. It's swag. It's YOLO. Lots of fun. Definitely what I need. Yeah. We're definitely just fumbling trying to find a way to end this naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Uh, have one well, time. I, I hope you guys aren't uh, dissatisfied with it yet because we still have a ways to go. And... Trust me, the, the traveling is rough now. On the road is. Once you guys reach a certain point in the story, traveling will kind of take a bit of a backseat, and it is going to be like an Indiana Jones Odyssey. It is just one action piece to another. We just... Unfortunately, I am not that experienced of a DM, and I have not yet mastered a way to make Overland travel 100% as engaging besides just... Oh, this is a combat. Oh, this is a random NPC. Maybe you'll have some fun here. Works for me. I mean, any break from work and spending time with people who I like to spend time with is A-plus for me. So, great. All right. Well, I think that's it. Yay. Well, I'm a tired little baby, so I'm going to go home. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. This has been uh, several people. I hope that wasn't uh, too boring for you, Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a bit. Ass. (laughs) Hey, Arnold! I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Get a little captain flips over. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, uh, I think your character comes in next time. So you won't just sit there staring at me uh, the whole time. That was actually those bedroom eyes. Time after next. <laughs> oh shit! Really? Yeah, that's how well, far behind me. I think me what are. we'll do is we'll bring him in at the end of the next podcast. That way we can fully integrate his character. Yeah. Without like, you know, needing to take a whole other episode just to introduce him. Nah, whatever. Anyways, that's it. Thank you all very much for your support. Please remember to hit all the buttons that uh, make us more popular, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye for now.